You know, there's just this like high level, like you're in an airplane and you see something, you see the world, you see the land around you. You can't see all the details, but you can see a lot of the big picture stuff. And the big picture on this, the message in Hebrews is that it's an encouragement to a group of Jews that have become Christians. And the author of this, we don't know who the author is, but a lot of biblical scholars would say it's probably Paul. He wrote two thirds of the, of, the, of the Bible, so pretty good chances that it probably is Paul. But we really don't know. It could have been Barnabas, could have been Silas, could have been, but I think it's Paul. But anyway, so wrote this, by, this book of the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, uh, to a group of Christian believers that were Jews um, to encourage them in their walk with Jesus, to, to never give up. And so that's the, the big picture. And as we, we zoom in, I want to look at some of these verses individually and look specifically what the Lord is, is saying to us in his word. And we looked at this last week about God's will, that God's will is he does what he wants in this world, right? Like it's, he's God, we're not. But it's also his will uh, for that we would pray, that we would align with his will, be on the same page as him, working for his kingdom, uh, and also his will that we would follow Jesus's commandments, right? Go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded them, Jesus said. So that's God's will for your life, is that you would follow the commandments of Jesus. So we looked at that last week, about how do, are we encouraged as Christians to keep going, that it is all worth it. And last week I talked about, well, we've got to understand God's will. We've got we to look at the big picture. Today, the big picture in week number two is that we are looking at, looking at Jesus as God's one and only Son, you may well, how does that help to encourage me as, as a Christian? And so I pray today, as you leave here today, that knowing Jesus and what he went through, we, we, we prayed about, look, look to your eyes to the cross. Jesus there, he's nailed on the cross. He's got a crown of thorns on his head. He's pierced in the side. Like, look to that. As, as, as we look to that, our picture of that, that's why we got a cross up here, right? As we look to that, and, um, and we see Jesus there, why is it so important to know that Jesus is God's one and only son? And I also told you that looking at Hebrews, it's uh, speaking to a Jewish audience that grew up, probably memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They, they know the Old Testament really, really well. And so you're going to start to see some references to the Old Testament start to come in. In chapter 2, it talks about Abraham. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about Abraham uh, today as well. I'm not going to get too deep into that. Um, but that is... Hebrews chapter 2, and, and I want you to set your minds on Jesus, and that he is the one and only true son of God, and how that encourages us to keep going as Christians. All right, let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for today. I pray, Lord, again in your word, that you're the power of the word. Jesus is the word. His power, his spoken word, his power is to uphold the universe. It's the power to save. So, Lord, I pray that we would honor and respect and we would go to you and your word as you speak to us. This is how you speak to us. So, Lord, I pray that we are listening and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. We are inundated with information, right? Like I'd say Amanda's been gone for two weeks on a mission trip. 
You look at my YouTube history, and I've probably looked at, I don't know how many like, videos on different topics and podcasts and these sort of things. And so I just, I don't know about you, but I'm inundated with information. I look at news, I look at different things, read different things, talk to different people. And with technology and everything else, we're just inundated with information. But I want to encourage you that God speaks through us through his word. This is what aligns us with God is his word, his written word. And so it's important to be in God's word. And, the, and this Hebrews emphasizes that, of how important it is to not stray away from God and his word. And it encourages us uh, to not do that and to focus on what is really, really uh, important in our lives. Amanda had called me, we were talking, and she's like, what are you, you going to do this year to, to grow spiritually? Now, those are a good question. Like, somebody needs to call me out and ask me, like, what are, what, what are you going to do? And I was, like, talking to her about some of these things. Uh, but it is a good question to ask. Like, what are we going to do? What are our goals? Well, how are we encouraging one another to grow spiritually? Because we shouldn't stay stagnant. And we do that through uh, the word of, of God. So I want to encourage you to read through Hebrews, read ahead, study God's word, meditate on his word. So, do not give up. Encouragement. So, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, it'll be up on the screen for you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, and the therefore is what all he, the Bible talked about in, in chapter 1. I would encourage you to go back and read that about who Jesus is. It was like great poetry almost about who God is in chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. I encourage you. It says, therefore, because of what we just learned last week, we, Christians, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And I hope that you're seeing some themes that are in here about hearing. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Now, you might say, well, I know people that's heard the word of God and they're not believers, but it's a spiritual hearing, right? So I would pray all the time that people's ears and eyes and hearts will be open to the word of God, that, that they would hear spiritually the truth and their eyes would be open, the scales would fall off and they would know, know the truth. It says that, that we must pay close attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. So it's important to stay in the word of God because if not, we will drift away from it. It's important to be part of a body of believers or we will drift away from it. And it says in verse 2, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect, neglect such a great salvation? I pray today that this salvation that you have in Jesus is great to you. It has to be great to you. If it's not great to you, you will neglect it and you will not pay close attention to it and you will drift away. That does not bring glory to God. It's saying that you have heard what the angels have delivered, like Jesus is above the angels. 
that he sent the, that God sent the angels for a message, that, that God proved that Jesus was who he was through the miracles, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, that it is great, a salvation. And I wonder today, if it's not a great salvation to you, I wonder if you look to the cross and if you read and remind it and meditate on what Jesus did for us. I know, I don't think there's any kids in here, uh, so it's kind of a viewer warning um, about the video that you're about to watch. And I know we're not supposed to create a graven image of God, and this is a Hollywood theatrical, but I, but I want you to set your mind upon this video. I want you to set your mind upon what Christ did for us. And, and I want you to see what the author of this Bible is saying, a great salvation that you have. And I pray that God speaks to you, but God's one and only Son. That God, the Father, would send His one and only Son to earth to die to suffer, as we'll see in Hebrews chapter 2, that he, he, he suffers under great temptation and he suffers under death so that you and I would have a way to be made right with God. So when the Bible says to, to not neglect such a great salvation, that God the Father says that I gave my son and he, he suffered for you, a free gift of eternal life to not squander it, not to neglect it. When we see John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, or His one and only Son, or from the beginning was His Son. His one and only begotten one and only Son I begin to think about that, like I could never sacrifice my own child, but imagine if it was your only child, your only son. And what Christ did for us should encourage us to never give up. That, that yes, there are troubles, and yes, there are trials, and yes, there are temptations, but Christ went through all of that to a much higher level than we could ever imagine. In Hebrews 11, verse 17, I'm going to read that for you. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up, here it is, his only son. His only son. Who was his offspring, and so we see this idea of, of the author giving in parallel in the Old Testament Abraham. Because again, these are Jewish people and they understand what's being talked about. Is their one and only son, that they gave up his one and only son, Isaac. And they're equating that to Jesus. And you may say, well, Abraham, he had another son, Ishmael. Why was he called his one and only son? This one and only son was by Sarah and was especially set aside under a new covenant. 
under a promise that God had given to Abraham through Isaac. It's the same thing with the new covenant. It's a shadow of what is to come in the a type and a shadow in the Old Testament of what is to come, and that is Jesus. Now the one and only Son, it is God's only Son, but it is a promise, it's a covenant to all of us under the New Testament that it's through God's grace that we're saved through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Faith in that alone. So when you hear this one and only Son, it is His only Son, but it's also this idea of this covenant that God gives through the one and only Son. So please don't let, the, let us neglect this message and this salvation that we have through Christ. Verse 7 through 8, the Bible says, You made him for a little while lower than the angels, and have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And so the Bible is saying here that, that God sent his son Jesus and made him lower than angels. He's higher than angels. But made him lower, brought to earth to be fully human, fully God. Made him lower. He served everyone. He was born in a manger. So that he could be crowned with glory and with honor. We see a lot of false gods and false religions of, of people that have become like God. They've had this perfect life and they become God or they're trying to be perfect. They're trying to make everything right to be as good as they possibly can in the hopes that when they die, they can go to heaven. This is not Christianity. This is not Jesus. When we read this, it says that God sent His Son it says, what is man that you are mindful of him? That you care for him. And it says, verse 7, you made him. God made him for a little while lower than the angels. This is the God that we serve. God says, you can't be good enough. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I've got to send my son and make him lower than the angels to live the perfect life that you couldn't live. And in verse 9, but we see him for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the, here it is, suffering of death, so that by the grace, there it is, the new covenant, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It doesn't say he tastes death for those that weren't good. Those that are trying to be really good. It says, no, that he may taste death for, death for every, everyone. Jesus will see in verse 18 that he was tempted to the point of suffering and he, was, he suffered to the point of death. It's amazing the spiritual and the physical things that Jesus went through in this life for you and for me so that we can have eternal life. I've been tempted. I know you all have too, right? Like it may last for a day or an hour or something like that. Imagine what Christ went through in his whole life. Even after he's baptized and he went to the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted. 
by the devil himself. He was tempted in the garden before he went to the cross to not go, to give up. It says he was tempted to the point of suffering. That Christ on this earth, not only did he suffer on the cross, but he suffered all the time. Because the temptation was so strong to give up, to stop. Praise God for Jesus. Verse 14 through 15, I know we've got to skip a, a section there. Verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus, he conquered death, and he conquered the devil. The devil's time on this world is limited. That, that Jesus will return. And he will reign over everything. That he has already conquered death. Verse 15, it says, And deliver those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And deliver all those, this is talking about you, who through fear of death were subject to life long slavery when I hear that, that that people are subject to slavery of the fear of death what that tells me is they have no hope right that we are no longer slaves to the fear of death because of our hope in Jesus most people don't have that most people have the fear of death. They are slave to it because they don't have the hope of Jesus. But nobody has told them or their ears haven't been opened to hear. We see that with Abraham before Christ in the Old Testament. There's a, there's a movie out there. It's called My First Son or My Only Son or something. It's a newer movie. Amazon and um, Netflix, I think it's out there. But it's, it's a movie, a newer movie about Abraham. And what stood out to me the most about Abraham was his faith and his hope. Like, there's a scene in there, it's backed up by scripture, but there's a scene in there, and they ask him, like, why are you following this one and true God? Now, this is like back in the day when there was like pagans and all these things, worshiping multiple gods, all these things, and Abraham was so faithful. He was so faithful, and they asked him, why are you doing this? What's driving you? And he says, the hope that I have. The hope that I have. His, his faith in God, the one true God, and his hope is so amazing. It's like a template for our lives and how we, how we should live. In Romans 4.18, it says, In hope he, which is Abraham, believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. That was the promise that God gave Abraham. And in Romans 4.18, it talks about the hope that he had. The hope and the promise that God had given him in this covenant. We now have the hope. We now have the faith in the new covenant through Jesus. 
through the grace of God. It's a shadow of what is to come and that we're living in today. If you want an example of how to live with hope and faith, just go read about Abraham. In light of everything that was going on, he stayed with it. He believed that God, what God spoke to him was true. In verse 16, the Bible says this, in Hebrews 2, 16, it says, For surely it is not angels that he helps. Who does he help? But he helps the offspring of Abraham. And you're like, well, offspring of Abraham? What does that mean? Well, one, it means the covenant, right? He talks about your offspring, right? I'm going to bless your offspring of Abraham. That we are the sons of and daughters of Abraham. You say, well, I went out to one of these genealogy sites and put in my blood or whatever. Do you do blood, spit? I don't know what you do. Send it in. Like, it didn't track me back to Abraham. Like, I don't know what's happening here. What it really means is that it's anyone that has put their faith and trust in Jesus is a son or a daughter of Abraham. Now, your lineage may back, go back to Abraham. I don't know. But what that means when you hear that you are a son or a daughter of Abraham, that means your faith. If you are faith, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible talks about Jesus being the son of Abraham or the son of David. And yes, his lineage did go to them. And it's a prophet, fulfillment of prophecy that talks about Jesus being from that lineage. But also son or offspring, son, offspring, also means that you're following in the footsteps of your father, We are the sons and the daughters of Abraham. We should be following in the steps, the footsteps of our father. And the footsteps of our father is faith and hope. We should be emulating our father as Jesus emulated his father. One of his disciples said, hey, show me, show me the father. He says, well, you, you've seen me. You've seen the Father. Same thing. You know what I mean? We should be like Abraham. We should have the same hope and the same faith and because we're called the sons, offspring of Abraham. Verse 17. Everybody tracking? We good? Thinking about hot chocolate or Something. They were talking the Chiefs game last night. They were talking about um, chicken, like hot chicken broth. Ever since then, I've been wanting some hot chicken broth. I don't even know. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, verse 17 says, Therefore, he had, he had to be made. Had to be made. Does it say, maybe? It says, no. Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So, Jesus had to be made fully human. He's still fully God. He had to be made fully human 
just like you and me. He had to be. It says, well, why? So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. This is that Old Testament reference again. In the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now, that's a lot to unpack. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, you can drown in one of these verses. He had to be made like brothers in every aspect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. So in the Old Testament, high priest there at the temple, made sacrifices, served the people. He's saying Jesus became that. He's to be a faithful high priest. He is the high priest now in the service of God to make propitiation for our sins of the people. Okay. So if he did not become fully human and suffer... He cannot be our high priest. That's what the Bible is saying. He represents us as the high priest. He represents all people. Those that put their faith and trust in Jesus. He represents all of us to God as our high priest. He intercedes for us. He, he, he prays for us. He goes to the Father for us. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the high priest. That we now are, we, our bodies, are the temple. So here you can see the author giving these analogies to these people who know the Old Testament really well so they understand what is happening here and who Jesus is. He's saying he is the high priest now. That the high priest at that time, he would, he would wear this vest, kind of like this. I break it out every year, this time of year. And he had these uh, things on his vest that was carved, and, and each one was for each tribe, the 12 tribes of Israel. And he, and he had them on, and his shoulders. And what that represented was the high priest is saying, I serve the 12 tribes of Israel. I represent the people to God, and I serve them. And I carry the weight of all of these tribes, of God's chosen people. And now Jesus, like he's saying, I represent the people. I am the high priest. I serve them. I make sacrifices for them. I go to the Father for them. He doesn't wear these things. He, he wears a scar in his side. And he, he carries the burden of the weight of the cross on his shoulders. That is the high priest that we have. It shows you, it shows me how much the high priest loves you and cares for you and serves and loves. When God had asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, if you watch this movie, it takes him three days to get to where he's going. And the movie's kind of slow, it's kind of quiet, but it was just the suspense each day, each day, each day, knowing what God's asked him to do to his son. I would have been like, I, I, I would have left. And of course, if you know the story, God in the end was testing Abraham, his faith, and then he provided a, 
a lamb for him. God didn't provide any alternative for his son Jesus. He had to go the whole way. And I'm just amazed that the Bible would say that it was God's pleasure to do so. It just goes to show how much he loves you. I mean, it's just, it's God's nature. He can't be anything other than who he is. That's why it says don't neglect the great salvation that you have. Verse 18, for because, this is the last verse, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you are being tempted or ever have been tempted or think you'll be tempted in the future, you can rest assured that God and Jesus was fully human and tempted beyond anything we could ever imagine, and he is relatable that God he sent His Son Jesus to live the life that you and I live, to experience everything, we can relate to God and He can relate to all of us. You see, Jesus, as part of the Trinity, perfect relationship with the Father in heaven, had never suffered He never felt alone until he came to earth. And you heard him on the cross say, why why are you forsaking me? Why have you left me? I feel alone. I don't feel the presence of the Father. We can't imagine the things that Jesus went through. I told you the kids in the back were learning about the Garden of Gethsemane. It's in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 34. We don't have time to go through that right now, but I encourage you to go back and read it. Matthew 26, the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus was there, and he brought his disciples and asked them to pray, and he kept coming back, and they had fallen asleep. He's going through torment after torment. He went back three times to pray and said, Lord, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, and nothing, nothing Jesus was under, he was being suffered and tempted to the extreme, to the max, to not go to the cross, to not do it. You're going to experience the sins of the world, the, the, the punishment from God for all sins. You're going to feel separation from the Father. You're going to have your hair pulled out. You're going to be lashed. You're going to be up on the cross. And there was so much temptation to a point of suffering in that garden And Jesus did not give up. Praise God. (laughs) None of us could even even come close to suffering like that. He did not give up. He did not give up. And I look at my sin and the sins of the world and, and there's wars and destruction and rumors of wars and all these things. But God still came and died for us. almost unexplainable I was thinking of a real quick story I'll go through this really quick about never giving up usually don't like to tell stories about things like this but I thought the Lord was telling me to to tell the story Um, there was a guy 
called me out of the blue, said, hey, somebody gave me your number. I've been in prison for 32 years, got out. I need some help. I'm like, kind of random. Um, But anyway, I felt the Lord saying, go meet this guy. Met him. He just wanted a little bit of money, helped him get a driver's license so that he could get a job. Okay, like 20 bucks, no big deal. Take you to the DMV or wherever we had to go to get a driver's license. And uh, anyway, it ended up into like a a three-year relationship of someone that was a Muslim that that studied the Quran in in prison, gotten out. He used to come to church, him and his family back here. And uh, just continued to share the gospel with him and continued to help him. At one point, I wanted to give up. Like, all right, I've done as much as I can do. Things aren't changing. Situation's getting worse. There's nothing I can do. And I happened to be at a church where they have a Celebrate Recovery program. And I talked to the pastor there who was over the Celebrate Recovery. He had been in prison, uh, had some different things in his life, and now he's over the Celebrate Recovery. And I talked to him and I said, hey, here's the situation. And he goes, you know, sometimes when people just don't want to help themselves, it's time to just let them go. It's okay. Okay, all right. God just wouldn't let me let this guy go. Like, I prayed, like, please, please let, let me be released from this burden. Another year goes by, sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel. It's like hitting a brick wall. One day he was concerned that he was going to go back to jail, called me up, I met with him, shared the gospel, and he goes, you know what? He said, for the first time ever, he said, what you're telling me, I'm starting to hear, starting to understand a little bit. He did go to jail, and uh, while he was in jail, he went to um, chapel. The chaplain shared the gospel. He went up and became a believer. Part of me was excited, and part of me was like, why didn't you do that the last 20 times I shared the gospel with you? Like... But I've learned in my life, a lot of times I don't get the credit. Because what happens, God gets the credit. Because he deserves the credit. You know what I mean? He did end up going to prison. And I've visited with him a couple times. He's up in Bowling Green. Keep him, keep him in your prayers. But I tell that story to tell you this, that if God is calling you to do something... It is God's will for you to do something. Don't give up. Read Hebrews. Be encouraged about who Jesus is. Remind yourself of all that Jesus went through. He didn't give up. If God is calling you to do something, keep doing it because there's a reason. I wanted and I, I asked the Lord, like Jesus, three times, please release me from this man. He didn't do it. And because of that, today, there is a Christian man in prison who used to be a Muslim who's sharing the gospel with other men in, the, in prison, who is going to Bible study every week, who's going to chapel, who's studying the Bible with other men, and he's, he may be the only witness to Jesus in that prison where he's at in that area. 
I just want to encourage you. If God is calling you to do something, to be encouraged, and to never give up, to not neglect, as we read in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And you may neglect your salvation by giving up. So I want to ask this question. In, in conclusion, does the fact that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, does that change the way that you see things? Does it encourage, encourage you as a Christian? And if it doesn't, I would say go to the Lord and ask Him why not. And this question that I continue to ask over and over in this series, is it worth it? Is it all worth it? And I say, well, that's where faith comes in. That's where hope comes in, just as like Abraham. And I want to close with this last thought of the man, the, the thief on the cross. You, you saw the, the video. And, and the thief on the cross, he simply said, remember me when you enter into, into paradise. And Jesus says, for today you'll be with me in paradise. Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And he said, for today you'll be with me in paradise. And you say, well, what happened in that transaction? What just happened? The thief on the cross confessed his faith to Jesus. He, he believed in his heart, right, that God had the power to raise him from the dead. And he confessed with his mouth that Jesus was Lord. He said, today, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. He confessed that Jesus was Lord. And he was saved just like that. He didn't have to do anything. Now, the Mormons will say he did something. He rebuked the other guy, but we won't get into that. All he did was he put his faith and trust in Jesus. That's all it takes for you. The great salvation that we have. And that you and me can be called sons and daughters, offspring of Abraham, offspring of our Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, thank you for the reminder of that Jesus, he is the one true son Thank you as a reminder that you would send your only one and only son to earth to die for us. That it is a great salvation. Thank you, Lord, that we can be called sons and daughters because of Jesus. Thank you as a reminder, the one true, the one son. is a reminder of your new covenant, your new promise to us of your grace and your love that you have for us. That it is through faith alone and Christ alone that saves us, not through works so that no man may boast. Lord, I pray today as we are leaving here that we are reminded of the suffering that Christ went through for us. And you, can't, you, told, you tell us to count it all joy when trials come to us because it... It grows us to become more like Jesus, which brings you more glory. 
Thankful for the reminder through your word that, Lord, there's so much information in this world that, Lord, we can get bogged down in it. So, Lord, I pray that this truth in your word is refocusing us on truth. Help us, Lord, to be followers of Jesus that love you so much that we would find great joy in serving you, that we would look to our high priest knowing that he is there interceding for us. So Lord, be with us now. Be with us this week. And all God's people said. Go ahead and stand.